bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. And, you know, we just want to change things up a bit. So, you guys, I've been away for yeah. two weeks. I've been in America visiting my boyfriend. How is America? Um, well, I went to the Napa Valley of Craft Beer. Oh. There's a Napa Valley of Craft Beer? Yeah, Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, it was unreal. They have, like, over 50 breweries in this little town. It's very hippie, very liberal, and we were just at a nine-hour beer tour. A nine-hour beer Yeah, we drank for nine hours. <laughs> was there food involved? Uh, we ate at one point, but um, a little <laughs> a little late. <laughs> so uh, it uh, oh ended God. fine. No one was ill. <laughs> no one, good. a.k.a. me. Nice. Um, I did just pass out when we got back to the hotel, though. <laughs> At least you passed out in a safe space. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, but we were in this weird part of North Carolina where, so Mark Meadows, the head of the Freedom Caucus, the far-right caucus in the Republic, in the in Congress of the House of Representatives. The ones that tagged Obamacare? I mean, the repeal of, of Obamacare? Yeah, who are now <laughs> leading the charge of Trump Care 3.0. Um, they... So he's a leader, and he is from North Carolina, and his district is gerrymandered specifically around this liberal town. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. You can't get to the town without passing through on either side on the highway. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So what have I missed? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm in my 55th day of sobriety now. So wow. I know. I have an app on my phone that counts it, so that's exciting. Feel really skinny, <laughs> um, but not really any different other than that. Or do you feel so. clear-headed, or I do feel clear-headed. I've been like really thinking about women and drinking and sobriety, especially coming into the summer because mm-hmm. this is like what I like to think of as like relapse weather for a lot of people that I know that have struggled with addictions. This is one of the hardest times of the year to not drink and mm-hmm. not do drugs because you just want to like sit on your stoop and drink beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's patio season. Exactly, exactly. So I've just been like, one of the biggest things I've noticed is that it's like hard to find things to do. Like, like it's really easy to like, when you're like, oh, like come over, we'll have a glass of wine. It's like an assumed activity. You're like, okay, perfect. Like we'll have a glass of wine. But if like, if I was like, oh, come over and we'll have Diet Cokes. People are like, well, that sounds boring. (laughs) But you could say, come over and we'll watch Scandal. That's true. I could do that. I'm I'm still due to watch Scandal this week. Oh, okay. I'm I just caught up on the hundredth and hundredth episode. Which one was that? The flashback. Oh. Oh. It got on my nerves after it was too much. I hate flashbacks. I just Shonda Rhimes does that shit all the time. I know. I know. She does it in Grey's too. I don't like it. (laughs) Or like a musical episode. I don't like that. Oh, the f- mm. <laughs> Erica, what have you been up to? Um, I am going to be speaking at uh, the Ottawa Carleton School Board. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, OCDSB. On May 9th. Yeah. Um, so they reached out to me and asked me to speak on diversity inclusion. Oh, sweet, awesome. Yeah, for Canada 150. Nice. So my first question is was to this person, 
how honest can I be? <laughs> <laughs> I always ask this question because, um, number one, I don't want to get tone policed by anybody. No. Mm-mm. Right? But also, you know, you have to, it, anywhere you go, anything you do, you have to tailor it what you say to the audience. So I'm trying to get a feel of the audience. Anyway, so that's exciting. Nice. Um, and I started, so my um, agency moved into new office space this week mm-hmm. on Hunt Club. Yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. Nice. And now I'm like active again. And now I'm on like the nine to five again. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, hmm. This is actually somewhat useful, but I don't go there every day. I'll probably there three to four days a week. Nice. Yeah. So having that day where you don't have to be somewhere at a specific time is also very good. Yes. So it, ma- it started to make me think of work relationship, work structures mm-hmm. and how they should change because they do need to change, like, let's be honest. But yeah, yeah and how... Um, really the fundamental, I guess, I guess, um, structure of work and time should change and how it should change. It's really interesting. Cool. Nice. Great. So, uh, do you want to start with this week in feminism? I do. So this week in feminism, we have basically, um, an article in Salon. So... It's called Bye Bye Bernie. He's not fit to captain the Democratic ship if he can't stop chasing the great white male mm, by wow. Anna March. So <clears throat> basically this, this article pokes holes in Bernie Sanders' economic populism mm. and how economic populism and social issues... I guess, according to Bernie, have been separated and divided into their each each of their spots. And he seems to be choosing one out hmm. of, uh, I guess, a plethora of, of, of issues. And economic disenfranchisement, um, particularly when it comes to the working class male. The Democratic Party has been accused of leaving the working class behind, Um, This article says that that's not true. And basically, the Democrats should instead focus on translating how inclusion translates into economic advancement and on addressing white racism, sexism, and xenophobia. Um, And the Democrats should, of course, tighten their economic message and link it to broader issues of identity, rights, and opportunity. And this is a very interesting take, one which I, um, let me just say, I I was never a big fan of Bernie Sanders because I didn't think he got those social issues and how, um, even though he was part of this economic populism, how it translated into the division of these issues. And some gender-based analysis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They do need some gender-based analysis. But I also think Bernie Sanders is a product of his time. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think it just comes down to, like, here's another old white guy 
like leading the thing. And as much as they can talk the talk, it, like I think it, it really to actually get led in like fresh spaces and fresh ideas, they we need somebody else doing the work. Well, Bernie's had a problematic past couple of weeks, so there's this, but then mm. he was also under fire because he was throwing his support behind a mayoral candidate in Omaha, Nebraska, who's a Democrat, mm. but also had been on record saying that he was pro-life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feminists in the Democratic Party, and I guess most people in the Democratic Party were like, you can't be a Democrat if you're not pro-choice. And that's like a pro- very progressive view. Mm. And But is that true, though? Can you not be a Democrat if you are not pro-choice? I think you can't... I think you can hold those views for yourself. Like, I think you can be pro-life for your own body. I think Joe Biden's like that. Yeah, but yeah. you but you have to support women's rights to choose broadly. Well, I think that's a very important distinction, is that public policy is quite different from your own beliefs. Yeah. Well, exactly, and, like... That's why it's pro-choice. It's not pro-abortion. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know that if push came to shove, if I was given the decision, I don't know that I would have gotten an abortion if I had to. I don't mm-hmm. know either. Yeah. So, I mean, but that doesn't mean that I'm not pro-choice. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, 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 so how does he... See, this is the thing. If he can't connect with feminists, and I'm not even... Let me back that up. I don't even want to say if he can't connect with feminists because that seems a bit, that's not where I want to go. But one of the largest and fastest growing voting blocks in America are single professional women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you lose that connection, the Democrats are going to hurt badly. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something when they're choosing I don't know how exactly the process goes, but when they're choosing a new leader or somebody that they want to put forward for the presidency or important district races, this is something that they have to remember. It seems like, and this article pretty much says it, that as soon as um, you know whites stay home or they don't or they vote for the other candidate, there is, like, honestly, people run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Oh, my God, this guy is falling. Yet when other people stay home, they don't seem that concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, and they try to make sure that they can't. They are, they're forced to stay home. Exactly. So um, I agree that, that Bernie is, that's, what I, that's what's problematic about Bernie, is his love of the rugged, working-class white male, irrespective of others. And then everybody else comes after that. Mm-hmm. He just practices white feminism, really. He d- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of white feminism, <laughs> next topic is uh, we're all just different. How intersectional- intersectionality is being colonized by white people. Because white people ruin everything, even intersectionality. (laughs) We can't get it together. (laughs) Okay, white girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean, see? So, let's...
let's back this up. So we the the whole premise of Bad and Bitchy is to talk about issues and events from an intersectional lens, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think um, like there's a lot of lip service paid to intersectionality, especially in white feminist spaces. Like in a lot of the white feminist spaces I'm in, they're like, oh, we don't have like differently abled women and we don't have any women of color here and we don't have like blah, 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 blah. But then it's like, okay, well then, so why? (laughs) Like, what are we doing that we don't? And then it becomes tokenism. Exactly. Exactly. So we have like one woman of color. We're like, well, what do you think on everything? (laughs) It's very, it's very Trudeau, isn't it? Yeah. It is very Trudeau. It's a little Trudeau. Where he will, as he did with the marijuana um, town halls that Vice put on this week, he will acknowledge that, yes, there is racism, et cetera. There is this structural racism. He will, he will acknowledge and say all the buzz concepts and do nothing mm-hmm. and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. The, and without him putting forth something to be accountable to later. Yeah. And we let him get away with it every time. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's like this, like the way that white people interpret intersectionality is like everybody's different. Well, that's what the article says that everyone's, you know, everyone's just different. And it, for me as a white person, it makes me think of like when people are like, well, I'm white and I also struggled to pay for university. So, you know, everybody struggles in different ways. But they're not looking at, like, the structural stuff that's happening that makes it, like, a white person struggle to pay for university different than the systematic oppression of people of color to, like, get, you know, to these spaces. Yeah, and so then the, the article talks about three ways that white people are colonizing intersectionality. So one is the Columbusing intersectionality while teaching it as a theory of difference. Mm-hmm. Two, highlighting one's marginalizations to avoid accountability. Right. Mm. And three, calling for intersectionality without doing the work to disrupt white supremacy. Yeah, that's a huge one. Number three, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, do the work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and the work is hard, and the work is dirty, and the work is uncomfortable. That's why we're still here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if it were easy, we wouldn't be having, bad and bitchy wouldn't exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. True. Yeah. And I think like for our own purposes of intersectionality, like it's about like letting other voices lead. You know what I mean? Like instead of it just being like three white women who sometimes have a person of color come on and talk about their experience. Be like, so what's it like? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> Was it Gloria Steinem? was at oh jeez I I want to say I'm this was a couple weeks ago or so and I everybody I can we all consume a lot of media so <laughs> excuse us if we don't have the exact <laughs> context but you'll get the point anyway Gloria Steinem and Chelsea Handler hmm. were at some type of talk I can't remember what it was it was a couple oh, weeks it was, ago um yeah, the one in New York. On yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, where Gloria Steinem said that <gasps> she learned feminism from black women. And Chelsea Handler and Gloria Steinem sat there and they talked about how white feminism isn't very intersectional. And I'm right. like, do you honestly not get 
the the absolute asinine like approach you just had. Yeah. So basically we have two white women talking about us when we're not in the room. And that is part of the problem is that we are spoken for. Yeah. Not spoken to. Yeah. And or listened or to. listened to when we're even spoken to. Because mm-hmm. guess what? I'm pretty sure that the people who are the most knowledgeable on these issues aren't white. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> I really should have. We really should live stream this one day because my facial expressions. I swear <laughs> That's to god. true. <laughs> well, and I mean, even like talking about this podcast as well. Like, I think we're doing like this is not like to pat ourselves on the back because I think that even though we've got a good intersectional blend here in terms of race, we're still we don't have any sort of trans issues covered. Right. There's no. Like, th- we're, there's no ability perspective. Like, you know what I mean? Like There's no language issues. There's, there's no, no... Yeah, exactly. So we're not... I mean, like, we just have to, like, as feminists, I think, think about intersectionality in such a big way and think about, like, even, you know, planning events and stuff like that. You have to come from this perspective or else there there's never going to be intersectional feminism, right? Like, if you're having events and spaces that aren't accessible and... You know, you're doing it, you know, during the evening or whatever, like when a lot of people with precarious work have to work and like, it's a huge job. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. As long as you're not, the problem comes in when, you know, we get mansplained or whitesplained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to ask and seek help. But don't expect, also don't expect people of color to do all the heavy lifting for you. Sure. Um, I agree that, look, trans issues are not my lane. Mm -hmm. I will just say that. Mm -hmm. I need to be educated on trans issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, which is something that I hope we do more of in the future. Yeah. But I remember going last year to Pride in Toronto Mm -hmm. and got schooled by gay men of color, about mm-hmm. the intersection of ma- of gender, of their um, sexuality, and of race. Mm-hmm. And and I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I my eyes were opened. Yeah. And I was like, wow. But it gave me another lens to look at these mm-hmm. issues with. And that's that's partially like your job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. If you want to, if you want to be in "quote unquote" the resistance, it's imperative that you that whites cede space to others, and not like not like their white counterparts in every other intersection either. Mm-hmm. So it's not good enough to have a white gay male speaking on mm-hmm. behalf right. of the gay community. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's another way that whites claim authority in spaces even when it's not theirs, especially when it's not theirs. Yeah. And yeah. don't listen. Yeah. So when I was down in the States recently, I was I went to a conference one day and um I was very surprised that well these two things are like are were very kind of at odds with each other. One, all of the speakers except one were white, hmm. which was weird. In DC? Yeah. The second... Chocolate City? 
<laughs> it, was a, it was a digital communications conference. Still, I like know. we ate on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but two, they had someone there signing. So it was for like very accessible for deaf people. Deaf white people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't under- see. I, I, so in other words, they thought about accessibility as long as it was tangential to their ex- their whiteness it was very weird like that's i've never been to a comment where there's someone signing along with what's going on uh, yeah i have for sure but um yeah i almost feel like that's just like a like i don't I, again it's like intersectionally intersectionality doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like, you you can have someone signing, but you can also have people of color on the panel. Yeah, yeah. I find <laughs> You don't I get know. to just tick one box. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We can walk and chew gum. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like you could... Yeah, I know, you could gay have, men You could have a person color. of color signing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, Trans it's women of color. My God. Yeah. And yeah. a sign. And wheelchair accessible. Oh, my God. They're like, no, that's too much. <laughs> too much thinking. Yeah. What, what kind of that's conference do you want this to be? Too inclusive. <laughs> you know, no. you know who would put that on? All those fire festival guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the fire festival was oh intersectional. Oh my god! But Ja Rule was an uh, organizer. It's true. With Actually, like, no, he wasn't the an organizer, bro. That there ever was. Okay, but like. As a sidebar, can the story <laughs> where the that like douche bro that was like organizing the, the conference with bro. him, yeah, the I'm story about how it. Fire Festival came to be was, oh, we were just we, we took flying yeah. lessons together, and we just flew these forty year old planes all the way from New York to the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, but they ran out of gas. That's why they had to like land in the Bahamas. Oh my they god! They ran out of gas. Both oh Ja Rule and this dude, and then they were like, that's how they became on this like abandoned island. But like. <laughs> How much privilege? Oh, we were just flying. It's yeah. fine. We flew to the Bahamas. No big deal. Yeah. How do these guys... You know what the... Billy McFarland. That's the guy. Oh, oh my That's God. the guy that was flying the plane. He's got such a I douche rule. face. You just want to punch him. <laughs> and again, he said, he said how we came to be. We were... Yeah, we were flying from New York to the Bahamas, not really knowing the Bahamas very well, ran out of gas, and landed in the Exumas, and both of us immediately fell in love. So there you go. Oh my gosh. Was, I'm looking at him. Like, uh, that's math. You know? <laughs> to do, like, and then they were like, oh. Wait, didn't Kendall Jenner, like, advertise or promote it? She was yeah. supposed to be there. Oh, With Bella for two. She is over for two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she got trolled. Okay. No, there was like a, there was like a comment that I loved. <laughs> this is my last fire <laughs> festival. Okay. Let's just do it and be legends, man. Yeah, yeah, that was the expose that the woman was like, they didn't make me sign an NDA, so this is how it happened. Oh Amazing. Amazing. That's hilarious. Anyways. Okay, what's... Uh, so, yeah, so Fire Festival, that, that sucks. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> moving right along. Um, so, uh, Simon Fraser University, my alma mater, um, they have this program called the Aboriginal University Transition Program. Sorry. They had this program, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and it had been in place since 2010, and the program was meant to help Indigenous youth pursue post-secondary education. However, 
the university has decided to put it on hold indefinitely um, and are currently examining ways to make the program better and invite more participation. Um, so typically, uh, the program accepted cohorts of 12 people, but it was put on hold because numbers have been in decline uh, this year. Uh, there were three students short, and last year there were one student short. Um, so they just phoned, they were like, So, so technically they were in decline, but I don't know that that's a trend of two years. Yeah, and like, I'm sorry, one student shy doesn't really seem like a huge issue to me. No. <laughs> like, I think it could keep going. So what is the purpose, sorry? It's to uh, help Indigenous youth pursue post-secondary education. So they kind of have modified curriculum, um, and then they kind of, I don't know if they then integrate into outside the program. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it was just meant to, like, in invite participation from the Indigenous communities. This, I mean, this also kind of reeks of white saviorism as well. Sure. Like, the assumption that Indigenous youth <coughs> need a program to help integrate into university, like, and so when there's, like, one student shy, the SFU people are just like, well, what do you, like, why don't they want it? <laughs> like, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't useful. <laughs> or advertised appropriately. Yeah, or maybe or 12 maybe spots isn't like or maybe enough. it just wasn't <laughs> created with. Maybe it was created by white people. Oh, yeah. absolutely, it was. Come <laughs> on, okay. about us without us. About us without us. Okay, yeah. and maybe it just doesn't resonate the way it should because it was created by white people. Exactly. With no indigenous voices. And again, like, and just purely going back to the numbers, it's so like. Twelve. Things can be important without having huge enrollment or numbers or like if if the only weight of importance that we're putting on is an enrollment stat then I don't really know like a lot of important things aren't going to measure up well so since it's been around <laughs> for seven years you can still measure the output of the yeah. people who were participated and like what their success has been since yeah that's it just as and good of a metric or a better metric I think it would be cool to do a longitudinal study so like just actually follow the like the first exactly. or second cohort throughout their lives yeah. for the next 10 20 years and see what happens and it, it like or that's the kind of stats we need yeah. yeah and and you can and we don't have yeah and you can identify maybe the metric is okay we're not getting enough enrollment so that's a metric we're concerned about so we want to figure out what's happening here so you can still innovate the program and reflect and figure out, like, you know, maybe you need to bring in some Indigenous people to but do the work. I feel like they wanted the funds. <laughs> yeah, and then, I, you know, you, you, like, like, you, can, you can still innovate without just putting the whole thing in the garbage. I, I feel like they <laughs> wanted to, I think, I think they just want to close up shop. They don't want to be bought. Because if, I, I can't imagine, if they really wanted this to succeed, they would have been studying these things, right? Mm -hmm. And as you said, you don't have to, you don't have to scrap a program to study it. Yeah. And and what do you... The, I mean, get it's at a university. Like, there are academics abound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You You're having personnel problems? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> or maybe they need more indigenous instructors. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Or mm -hmm. maybe... You know what I mean? There's so many ways that they can so-called make even marginal improvements. Mm -hmm. But it's... I honestly think that they're scrapping it because they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And they have nothing to replace it. So they're trying to hurl out these insignificant 
these statistics, which 12 students really is statistically like. <laughs> yeah, they were like, so that. Could you imagine? Ru- <laughs> like, could you imagine running an experiment with 12 participants? I know. You're like, I, I, like... I called 11 of my friends and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, we found. That's not a Conclusively. <laughs> but so British Columbia like needs a program like this because there are at least 316 reserves in the province Mm. like it's a massive population yeah and they're just like yeah we're just gonna kind of phone it in and and again like so 316 reserves in the province and 12 spots well that was my other problem yeah that was my other problem yeah Yeah. is that is that what's wrong with bringing in 100 or 50 yeah like oh more resources right that would have to be taken from somewhere else. Twelve is a really random number too. Like, it's why not like fifteen or ten or like who 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 does things in twelve? Like, was it a pilot? An egg pilot? An egg Was it a pilot? Like, I could see if it were if it were a pilot, then twelve would make sense. It doesn't really say that. Oh. No. Yeah. Well, no, I, you, they said it said it was a program, right? Yeah, yeah. I, since yeah. twenty ten, so it's been. And it, yeah, and who at seven years in is just like, well, that's, we're going to take 12 students a year and we're going to do it for, like, they've just picked the randomest numbers. And at seven years in, we're just going to say never fucking mind. And I tried to look up the program, but it's like, oh, it's indefinitely on pause. I was like, great. <laughs> so helpful. I find that Western Canada does the whole, we, we want to take things from your culture, but we don't want to deal with you kind of thing with the indigenous, mm, you know, yeah. like, like, Ameri- like, like mm-hmm. white Americans do to black people. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this, this, this song, this, 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 it's so, it's so awesome. Oh, yeah. this thing's so good. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, it's like. So I'm going to do it now. Are you going to talk about Ed Sheeran? Macklemore. <laughs> oh, Yes. Yes, the, the Macklemore, the indigenous population, that's what they do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a new term. Yeah. Hashtag Macklemore. Yeah. It's a <laughs> verb now, people. It's a verb. Although I feel bad for using Macklemore. Iggy Azalea is more. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. way worse. Oh, because she's he, so actually, worse. he actually she makes the, the space and, he, and, yeah. and tries to work, get, with. work <laughs> with and do the work. Yeah. So, so I, I'll give Macklemore a pass. Okay. So the Iggy Azalea. The Iggy Azalea. Yeah, they do. For sure. They do. All right. So guys, I don't know if you know, um, but uh, the woman I love to hate. Oh. Lena Dunham? Not Lena Dunham. Taylor Swift. The other. The, <laughs> that's women you love to hate. The other, the other ones. <laughs> not those two. I mean, I do love hating those. Um, Ivanka Trump. Oh, oh Ivanka. poor little rich girl. Her second book is coming out soon. She's got. She writes. Of course oh, she does. She's, she doesn't write. <laughs> Ghost writer. <laughs> what a good show that was. <laughs> Such a good show. So <laughs> I mean, if they're gonna bring back like a live action Carmen San Diego, they better bring yes. back Ghost Writer. Fuck yes. Oh my god. Carmen Wait, are they bringing back Carmen? <gasps> really? Yeah. Really? That? Oh my! Oh, oh my god. god! On Netflix? No. What? <laughs> oh! Oh! Sold! 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 I think it's live action. It could be ca- still a cartoon, but still. Regardless. Listen, I just watched Scandal on Netflix for like the first time the other day, and I'm like, this picture's amazing. I know. I, I, I just pirated. <laughs> uh, sorry. Mo- Anyways, moving right along. Yeah. Back to Ivanka. Ivanka. Her, yeah. her first book called The Trump Card. 
Oh, I see what she did there. Mm. See what she did yeah. there. Her second, her upco- she's so clever. <laughs> her upcoming book is called "Women Who Work: Rewriting the Rules for Success." Oh, oh, why didn't she just call it "Lean, Lean In"? in. <laughs> Two or hashtag Girl Boss? Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, that's the other one you like to hate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sophia Russo. Yes. Um, what What do we think Ivanka has to tell us? About rewriting rules for like, what rules did she have to rewrite to be successful? Um, so she she had to um, let her dad make derogatory remarks about her in public. That's true. That's true. I, I was thinking like like the rule is if you come from super successful backgrounds, it's really hard to get a job. So she had to rewrite that rule. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's called Surreal. now nepotism. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't know. Is she going to tell us to lean in? I want to know. I feel like it's like maybe she used Sheryl Sandberg's like cue cards. She was like, "Do you have well, any she ideas that you didn't copy get in the to book? Justin?" <laughs> I feel like. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the for the Broadway. Sophie show. will be like, "I wrote, re- I rewrote rules too." <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. You know that's too that's too delicious. Stop. You're just dangling stuff in front of me. I know. <laughs> so, uh, an ex, uh, the preface actually is leaked out online. Um, oh, of course. Convenient. Um, and part of it reads, I have known since I was a child that I wanted to be a developer and an entrepreneur. It is a difficult step to, it is difficult to step away from businesses that I have worked hard to build and that I believe in so fully. But the potential to improve the lives of countless women and girls has caused me to fundamentally consider where my work will do the greatest good. Oh. What is she going to become a a woman in philanthropy? Is she going to like open a shelter? Like that sounds like she's going to like like feed the hungry or something. I, I a developer. I know. <laughs> what I, does she mean? What does she mean? Well, her she, branding effort is just gonna fall flat. <laughs> Let's be honest. This a is developer a rebrand of, of clothes. Her. It's trying because to be a rebrand. It, I know it's trying. Like I <laughs> the look on your face. And then it goes. You look like you're in pain. And then it goes. Like you just came back from <laughs> surgery. It then continues, I am committed to working harder than ever to help unleash the full power of women and girls to accelerate the pace of progress both in our country and around the world. Go fuck yourself. Um. I just don't understand. This is, like, I, I don't know what she what she attempts to get from I this. I feel like this is like her this is like her leading us down the garden path for her um, triumph in politics. Yeah, Maybe. it's totally. It sounds like she's like, re- think, she's like, oh, I used to love develop, being a developer and an entre- entrepreneur, but now like I realize servant. public service is my yeah. calling. Yeah, yeah, I got that feeling too. Yeah. So, but oh. do you think she's preparing herself for event an eventual run? I think we'll depend on how her participation in the White House plays out. Oh my gosh. Chelsea Clinton versus Ivanka Trump. Ooh, yes. In like 2025 yes. or something. Yes. 2024. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. One year, like, in a while. 
I want to see that. That would be awesome. Right? It would be, actually, it really would be awesome. Because think of it, you get two different views of what feminism is. Yeah. Or, or what feminism? <laughs> two different, what, like, okay, yes. Two different, look at all the diversity in white feminism. <laughs> but like, right? There is it, diversity in white the, feminism. The problem with that is that for so long, and like unless they were running against each other in the primary, is that Ivanka was a Democrat. Right. That's right. A secret. But the secret she doesn't share with us. She doesn't talk about that often. anymore. <laughs> well, same with Jared. Yeah. He was also a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to be in that, you know, New York social bubble so bad. Well. <laughs> well, this is depressing. I hope she doesn't make any money on her book. <laughs> I mean, obviously. You know what? She gets, like, all her Amazon reviews are, like, one star. You know what I oh, think? Yeah. If she's serious about helping women right? Quote, mm-hmm. unquote. Uh, then let's get that book for free. She's got enough money. Yeah. We should just, like, remember when you two just, like, put the album <laughs> in your, in your fucking iTunes Oh, or I whatever? talked about this on some of the other day. <laughs> yeah. I want, I just, like, want Ivanka's book in my Kindle for free. That Why be, not? I'm going to read it. To be fair, that would be smart. Right? It I'm a marketer. S- <laughs> it would be smart. Yeah. That's my challenge to you, Ivanka. If you're listening, <laughs> send us your book for free. That's right. Because we deserve it and you want to help us. And I'm going to rewrite rules. She should rewrite the rules of publishing. Free books for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> she if, is you, re- if you ticked the F box when you signed up for Kindle, you get a book. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. The F box. <laughs> Tick in the F box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so now we should talk about abortion. Yay! <laughs> Great. Yay. Yay. Lots in the abortion front the past couple weeks. Yeah. So what's going on? Well, so Ontario just, they did just announce in their budget that they are going to make uh, prescription pill coverage available to anyone under 25 for free. Oh, so yeah. Kathleen yeah. Wynne, she's taking the free advice. She's like, I'm going to make things free. She's also in a re-election campaign. <laughs> right. Well, Ivanka, I feel like, is now permanently in a re-election campaign. That's true. Her life has become a re-election campaign. Ivanka doesn't have to deal with Ontario hydro rates. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Maybe Good Kathleen, luck, Kathleen. Maybe Kathleen needs Ivanka's book. But <laughs> we felt the pain this winter. Um, but anyway, so... Free prescriptions, which I'm, like, actually super down with, especially from a gender lens when we think about women are more likely to be burdened with childcare. And I'm I'm sure there's lots of mothers out there who are like, it's not a burden, they're my life. But I feel like certainly a financial burden is children and their prescriptions. They're sick all the time. Um, Anyway, and then also women are more likely to experience precarious work Mm -hmm. and so, and therefore less likely to have full benefits for their kids. So I think this is a great step and it looks like she's trying to take it a step further by making sure that the abortion pill, are you for 86 will also be free. Which oh, is, really? Yeah. Mm. Which is great, particularly given like, so in Ottawa the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of hullabaloo about our Morgenthaler clinic and 
um, pro-life protesters kind of just harassing people trying to get in the clinic. And like it's it's like is this one due guy. to the release of this pill or no? No, just he's in always just there. in general. Yeah, okay. there are well, there's because like I usually saw, three, like, an uptake in... one or three people always there. Okay, yeah. okay, with their yeah. stupid sandwich. And they've signs. you know tried blocking people. They spat on them, and it's just horrific the way people have been treated. And it's gotten to the mayor and the police in Ottawa, and it's just out of control. And the city's not really doing anything. They're looking to change the bylaw that would prevent them kind of create a safe area around the entry to the clinic. But I mean, this legalizing or making the abortion pill accessible and free would kind of reduce the number of people who really need to go to the clinic for um, surgical abortions. Right, because the clinic that these protesters are standing outside of are, it is a surgical abortion clinic. So that would be like the DNC kind of thing. Whereas the pill... Um, abortion, you can go and get, I think you said three different clinics in Ottawa? Two or three. Two or three. And they, those are like, they're like medical, cl- like the, the protesters wouldn't necessarily know where those places are. And they certainly wouldn't know that the women going there are accessing mm-hmm. this. Um, so, so yeah. So I hope they do make it free. Yeah, it'd be great. They're saying right now it costs about 300 to $400 a dose, which is a lot of money. Particularly if you're like, young yeah yeah oh here's an interesting stat one in three canadian women will have an abortion wow i didn't know it was that high it's yeah it's shocking yeah holy shit um and so yeah is it because of stealthing well we'll we'll get to that uh in ottawa abortions are available in one hospital and two private clinics medical abortions are available at the hospital and one private clinic so yeah which hospital the ottawa hospital i would assume yeah probably Uh, As opposed to the Civic, for example. Right. Okay. Although maybe at the Civic, that's... I guess they're all part of the same network. Yeah. Conglomeration. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so yay for free drugs. Free drugs for everybody, I say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we'll get into that later, too. (laughs) Drugs. All right, moving on to our next segment, uh, Rent and Receipts. This is where we each bring an article to share with the others and get their thoughts on it. So, Erica, do you want to get us started? Yeah. So, um, I decided to start with what may seem like an innocuous um, article. There there are no innocuous articles. (laughs) And, well, this is true. That's true. Okay, so it says, um, it's from Women's Wear Daily. Love Women's Wear Daily. It has, it, it has. It is actually a really good fashion publication in the sense that um, what I find is that, you know, a, you're, you, okay, let me backtrack. So when I first started blogging, Um, fashion blogs were everywhere, Mm -hmm. but they were very, um, they were very frivolous, Uh, I would say. Just a lot of pictures, a lot of images, um, not really a lot on the content or the explanation of pieces or basically why we should care. Hmm. Um, I'm really interested in that 
in in the depth of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started writing about it, I it was just a different lens. It was just that little bit of more depth. Uh, I find that now you're getting certain digital publications mm-hmm. able to write about fashion and now makeup in a way that goes beyond, oh, what's new for spring? What's new for fall? It's yeah. like, what's happening with these companies? What are they about? Mm-hmm. Who, are they, who are their people? Who do they reach? What are their issues? What are the issues in the general industry? They're bringing politics right. into something right. that is right. typically viewed as frivolous. Exactly. So the um, who I think is the champion of that is Elaine Weltroth. Now, who was just named, who Condé Nast just named editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. Amazing. So she's the one that everyone's saying is, like, making Teen Vogue woke. Yeah. So she, now, she's kind of been acting, I think, for about a year. Mm -hmm. So um, she oversaw Lauren Duca's op-ed called Donald Trump is Gaslighting America. Oh, yes. There are also, so I looked... I look back at some, because I've been posting about Teen Vogue for a while, for mm-hmm. like a, a year or two. Um, so I went through my own feed to see what I posted about them. One of them was, <clears throat> here's another article. Former First Lady Nancy Reagan watched thousands of LGBTQ people die of AIDS. Hmm. That's, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like that's inflammatory stuff, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. Yeah. Okay. And your favorite, your political fave, Justin Trudeau, has problematic positions too. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that was a recent one. That was a recent one, which is interesting from an American magazine that it takes an American for us to actually hold our politicians accountable. But I digress. Anyway, (laughs) so let me just give you some background on her. She started at Teen Vogue in 2012 as a beauty editor. She came from Glamour, where she was a senior beauty editor. And before that, she worked as a beauty and style editor at Ebony. So let me just say that this is a black woman, Mm -hmm. for all those out there who don't know. And there are two points I want to make. Number one, resistance can be performed in the space you occupy. Mm. Mm. And um, I get a lot of people saying, how do I get involved? How do I do this? And I'm like, start by your, the space around you. Yeah. So if you are in corporate, make space for people to speak. Start mentoring people of color. Start, start, um, start organizing groups, mm-hmm. lunch and learns, that kind of thing that have a more diverse topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start asking for other people's advice and who they should bring in. Start a speaker series. Start by um, teaching, especially people of color, maybe nuances hmm. in right. terms of how to operate in this in this well corporate, which is a white world. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things are things that you could do yourself, and you don't need permission to do it. In the terms of, you don't need big venues. You don't need. You just need a group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, have a support group. Yeah. At lunch. Yeah. Every so often. Yeah. Coalesce. Yeah. Because nothing happens with you just on your own. It's so funny. Like I, when I worked. Um, in my last job, 
um, there, that place that I worked at had a, has a problem with promoting women. Hmm. It really does. It's known. Mm-hmm. It has a reputation for that. It does not promote women, and it doesn't promote diverse women, and it doesn't promote women of color. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So what I found was one of the contributing factors. Like, we would be in the bathroom talking about this. Hmm. Yeah. And I would ask them, what are you planning to do? Why is it that at these types of places, women don't get together? Yeah. Yeah. And form some type of block. Because that is the only way you're going to get power. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Secondly, I also want to bring up that beauty and fashion are often treated as frivolous, even though they are sort of, I guess, in the entertainment lifestyle space like sports are. But sports and Mm. beauty is like a multi-billion dollar industry. So don't even tell me about like how sports brings in blah, 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 blah. Okay? Because I'm not here for it. But um, we treat sports as though it's a viable, serious, and don't get me wrong, I love sports, a viable, serious mm. industry. And mm-hmm. we, we treat beauty and fashion as though they're little frivolous things for the ladies to do while they're off lunching. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, if you actually follow fashion and beauty, they're doing most of the groundbreaking work that nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to list some some of those digital publications. Um, Fashionista.com is really good. Fashion Gone Rogue is Mm -hmm. good. Refinery29. So Refinery29, I just posted something on the the history of head wraps Hmm. and how black women in the South were forced to wear head wraps. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was this video. Y'all can find it at Not In My Color on my Facebook page, Color With You. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> promo. Anyway. But I. But it's true. Um, and these are things, these are historical things that play into the social issues space. Mm-hmm. Because beauty and fashion are the chief ways of communicating with the world around you without saying a word. And in that, there are so many messages that we communicate and that we have no idea we communicate. Mm -hmm. For example, red lipstick is still racy for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it only used to be worn by prostitutes and actors. Mm -hmm. So it it had that class distinction, right? And how does that play out today? Mm -hmm. So Fashion Gone Rogue, Refinery29. Um, What's another one I'm going to... Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Glossy.com mm. is another one. Glossy's more on the makeup side, but they recently had um, an article talking about the whitewashing of natural hair care lines. And mm. I kid you not, two, three days later, Shea Moisture came out with that, their color, their, their exposed, their um, sort of ad on colorism. Hmm. I shouldn't say ad on colorism. Their ad was promoting colorism with a natural hairline for black women. Huh. Hmm. So I saw that in Glossy, I kid you not, like a week before. Yeah. And wow. so, and there are a lot more publications. I, I know that Chatelaine is trying to be woke, but no, it's just not working yeah. for them. And there has to be somebody who understands as we go back 
to the intersectionality issue. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Chatelaine is trying to be woke. Flair is trying to be woke. But the reason they're not getting there is because they promote white feminism. Yeah. Yeah. Marie Claire, I think, has some pretty interesting content. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, they're trying to move into, the, like, less of that white feminist mm -hmm. space. Yeah. I think those publications are, like, they're trying to t enter the political space, but I think they worry a lot about being told to stay in your lane. Yeah. Which is what we hear a lot now. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess Elaine said, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing that I really like about... But why is this not their lane? Yeah. Well, if they have... Sorry. No, go ahead. If they have the... Um, the We're just assuming that young women are so lightheaded sure. and, and Becky that they don't want to be bothered by politics. Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's insulting your audience. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Is oh, I think sorry. it's cool. <laughs> well, not exactly that. But I think it's really great that, like, they're targeting young women with these these mm -hmm. kinds of articles. Like, I mean, for Marie Claire and Glamour kind of tried to do the woke thing for a while, too. Like, their, their target demographic is older. So, like, you know, it's women that I feel like they think, oh, well, they're working. They're, like, aware of the world or whatever. So we'll target them with that content. Mm. But young women are what who are going to actually change things. Yeah. So I think it's great that Teen Vogue is, you know, it can be about prom dresses and it can also be about politics. It is, though. You know? <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's about how to wear your favorite lipstick, too. Yeah, There's sure. nothing wrong with a little what you call what people call frivolity in life. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. do we have to be serious all the time? Yeah. You know, sometimes, like, honestly, sometimes I read about, about I just watch YouTube videos because I don't want to deal with, like, yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah. And that's okay. And, like, but even sports writers get it. Like, they, like, oh, just stick to sports. And, like, I don't think people who say that to them understand that politics and current events literally influence everything yeah and it's everybody's business well and that's what happened to Colin Kaepernick when he yes. tried to make a stand yep. right as he got told to stay in his lane like just go out there and play sports for us but when has not sports, allowed to have a brain but when has sports not been about politics yeah well it's always yeah so yeah. and now Kaepernick can't get a job yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm well the owners hate him sure you know he he should have beaten his girlfriend, and then it would have been okay. Yeah, then it would have been fine. Well, I yeah. mean, Adrian Peterson has a job, so... Yeah. Didn't he just get picked up by the Saints? Yeah. Is it the Saints? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he got a bump in salary, too. I don't know, but Adrian Peterson should just go to hell. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, these accusations ruin men's lives, so... You know, Ben Roethlisberger, his life is ruined. Oh he has a God. ruined life. It's so hard. His life is ruined by that dad bot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So moving on. Yeah. Bailey, what do you have yeah, to share Bailey. this week? Uh, the dad bot is going to kill me all day. <laughs> all right. um, well, I'm going to talk about marijuana. Which, Yay. Yeah. Which uh, also yeah. was just in the NFL. Those talks spoke about yesterday or the day before. Oh, really? About how... Marijuana should still be a banned substance for NFL players because it's highly addictive. <laughs> meanwhile, Budweiser is still like a very key sponsor for well, the NFL. Yeah, it's and fine. and meanwhile, they're happy to let their players get concussed over and over and over again and develop brain damage later in life. 
but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Marijuana's bad for you. <laughs> What's this addictive? When was this? Where? Where, where are these like, facts from? <laughs> from 1992 dare ads. <laughs> <laughs> this is your brain on drugs. <laughs> I feel like Nancy Reagan had something to do with that, too. <laughs> totally. It was her thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was Dare definitely her thing. kids off drugs. I grew up with that in Arizona. Yeah. They brought the drug drug dog to the school one time when I was in grade three, <gasps> and they let it loose on this guy wearing, like, a drug dog suit. I don't know. And, like, it, it like, fucking attacked him. It was terrifying. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do drugs until I was, like... 19 years old. Because <laughs> you were scared. Because <laughs> I was so scared. I love and then that I... it only prolonged. <laughs> yeah, and then I smoked pot and felt like I could feel every single internal organ in my body and I never touched the substance. Well, I did touch it. I fake, I fake inhale. <laughs> so, so I just pretend to be cool. <laughs> anyway, so consent laws. Uh, I'm really interested, again, so, you know, the the woke prime minister and the gender lens and the gendered budget and all this. I haven't heard any gender analysis from the government about these marijuana laws. Very good point. And I'm really interested to know, first of all, how they did the analysis around consent, because we know that drug-facilitated sexual assault is a thing, mm-hmm. um, that alcohol is the most common drug used in these thing, in this in that kind of assault. Um, and certainly you can drink to the point of being incapacitated. Yep. And I don't know, like I'm not a scientist and I've never, I don't, I've never seen a study about this, but you know, is consent still possible under the influence of marijuana? And, mm. uh, you know, if it's not, what is, what's going to be that balance? Cause I think they haven't really figured that out with alcohol either. Like a lot of people are like, well, if you're both drinking or, you know, there's a lot of questions around like, well, if you have one beer, can you consent? If you have four beers, can you consent? Like, where's mm-hmm. the line? And, and I don't think anyone from the government can even really answer that about alcohol. And we've been thinking about this for a long time. So what are they going to do with marijuana? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I. <laughs> now, and of course, I don't smoke pot, so I don't know what it's like. <laughs> Except for when you feel all your internal organs. Except for feeling, and I definitely could not have consented that day. Because you were panicking at feeling all <laughs> yeah. your, yeah. And then my boyfriend, who I did smoke pot with, was like, do you think maybe you just need to pee? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, maybe, but I can feel my lungs and not just my bladder. It's like, maybe you should just go home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went home and my mom made me shuck peas and I ate all the pea skins and then I went to bed. You ate all the pea skins? My mom was like, peas? where did you put the pea shells? And I was like, I ate them all. And she was like, do you think you should go to bed? I was like, mm-hmm. How was the sleep? Uh, I, I think it was okay once I settled down. Okay. But I did think I was going to have to go to the hospital at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the age of ecstasy too, where like everyone was just like ODing and dying on ecstasy. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah. I had a lot of fear-based yeah. drug programming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but consent. I don't know. I don't know if you can consent if you're stoned. Oh, I don't know. Um consent is a tricky one in general when yeah. it comes yeah. to drugs. Not yeah. in general, as in in you know yeah. in normal circumstances but when it comes to drugs and alcohol well alcohol is a drug okay so when it comes to drugs it's i (sighs) yeah i i like i don't know i don't know if i i don't know if you can smoke so much pot that you're incapacitated in the way that consent is defined 
in the Canadian laws for drinking. Right. I don't think we know enough mm-hmm. or has have studied it enough. I th- and it also depends on how you consume it. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Your high when you have edibles versus when you smoke is completely different. Right. The body buzz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never had the edibles. Don't know. You would not do well. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be like, I don't know if I'm on the ground yet. <laughs> Are my feet touching the ground? <laughs> no, actually, that's what you would be like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the squarest person ever. In this podcast, I've now said that I fake smoke marijuana, and that I never want anyone to go on dinner dates with other people besides me when they're in a relationship. Oh, you've also oh, said yes. that you don't drink anymore. Oh, yeah, and yes. I, now I said I don't drink anymore. So yes. literally, I'm just Sobriety. like, hashtag straight days. edge. <laughs> straight edge. Wow, hashtag 55 days. Yeah. But then yeah. you'd have to change the hashtag after. <laughs> every hours. day. Yeah. Just like every day. Yeah. Um, the other gender analysis that I think is really interesting that I haven't heard anything about either is how marijuana and motherhood intersect. Oh. Yes. You know what? Are you Are we like getting... reading my mind? I swear I was thinking this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just watch Weeds? No. I've never watched that show. Really? Yeah. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I'm not watching shows. I just watch The Wire over and over and over. <laughs> and ER. ER? Yeah. And listen to True Crime podcast. And listen to True Crime podcast. Okay, Grandma. No wonder I'm so straight edge. Wow. Um, anyway, so I think that, that like how we see fathers using marijuana versus how we see mothers using marijuana is oh, different. Interesting. Um, and then again, access to employment with a possession charge, which of course the liberals have said they are not waiving, as he told that lovely young man. Poor um, Malik. Malik. So, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just think I haven't seen enough gender analysis about the marijuana laws. And that's not to say, I do think marijuana should be decriminalized. Like, I'm in support of all of these things. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see the, the woke analysis there as pm trudeau has often claimed i find that these marijuana the what was introduced uh very tough on crime sure Mm -hmm. and i just but then i you know when people started complaining about it i thought you guys you guys knew (laughs) look when he appointed bill blair what did you expect yeah (laughs) but anyway um going back to the gender analysis stuff the other thing too is like you said there are so many ways that you can actually imbibe um marijuana marijuana (laughs) um somebody was telling me about some type of like pill or piece you could take Mm -hmm. that doesn't get you high but has all the like I guess THC self care properties. Yeah, I think that's medical marijuana is is like that. Like mar- yeah. medical marijuana, you're not stoned. Okay, per se. it's but you you are getting the medical benefits of the, right. of the THC. I guess. Okay, so do we know? Do we have a breakdown or statistics on the use of? Let's start with medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Obviously, medical marijuana is not going to inform you of people who are use, who are just, you know, using marijuana. Mm-hmm. But at least you can get kind of like this gender breakdown mm-hmm. and start from right. there. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we haven't... Have we not... <coughs> I, I shouldn't say we haven't. How much 
okay, since the medical marijuana laws have come into effect, how much study have we done on that, like, section of society? I have no idea. Because, and I don't know how much of that informed this legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Excellent question. I, I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah. Know. I don't even know if we take, if we keep statistics for that. There are a lot of statistics that I'm finding out Canada does not keep. No. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with race. Sure. But. And these things. But like medical marijuana guards are so easy to get. So yeah, I don't know that you can keep very accurate stats on it. Hmm. It's not about whether or not it's medical. It's about who's using it and for what. Like, mm-hmm. Are there are there more rural? What's the rural urban breakdown? What is the oh like the you want the demographic? Yeah, I breakdown. want the demographic breakdown to start mm-hmm. because. Um, Especially, I understand it's very effective for postpartum depression, especially. Mm. And um, it's things like that when I think about the gender breakdown and for what. Right. Mm-hmm. That I think this is a hamstrung, it, I, sorry, not hamstrung, ham-fisted legislation that basically takes mostly conservative principles and puts a smiley, cute, happy face on it. Sure, absolutely. And to be honest, this doesn't this doesn't sound like the the fact based public policy we were promised. Yeah. Well, and so listeners, if you know about a gender analysis that I don't, at me. And if you guys have some stats or some like on this, at me too. Yeah. Great. You can. I'm actually telling you to at me. Oh. So this won't this won't happen too many times because you know I'll say something. <laughs> Aaron, where are you at this week? Okay, so um, in previous rent and receipts, I've shared stories about countries that are kind of legislating equal pay. Um, this time, I'm sharing a story about how in the U.S., um, employers can legally pay women less based on past salaries. Yes. So the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeal, which is a federal appeals court, um, which is often viewed as being too liberal uh, by conservatives, this is also the same court that ruled against Donald Trump's travel ban and his recent um, sanctuary city's Mm -hmm. executive order. Um, They overturned a lower court decision that said pay differences based exclusively on prior salaries were discriminatory under the Federal Equal Pay Act. Um, And so the decision to get to this appeal was from 2015 and said that because women's earlier salaries are likely to be lower than men's Mm -hmm. uh, because of gender bias. So that's what they were arguing against. Um, But the Ninth Circuit judges cited a 1982 court ruling Uh, that said that employers could use previous salary information as long as they applied it reasonably and had a business policy that justified it. 1982. That's awful. (laughs) Reasonably and business policy? Like, what kind of law is... What what is that? And are we looking to the 80s for our standards of social (laughs) justice? They were like, you know what was a great year? 82. Nancy Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) 
jeez. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, re- like, this is the problem, is that, like, the word reasonable is so subjective. It yeah. is such a cop-out. I just think reasonable is such a cop-out. When you're when you're building policy or law, yeah, they're like use your own good sense. It's like yeah, like <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I can see it in this in like in some cases in law in like you mm-hmm. know um, if you're at a sporting event and should you reasonably expect that at a hockey game a puck could come over the glass and hit you in the head? Mm-hmm. Sure, that is very reasonable. And you know if you're sitting at a baseball game. If you buy tickets in certain areas, they will give you a notification saying, oh, just be careful, like, flying objects could come towards you. Yeah, it's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, same with privacy laws. I have a reasonable expectation of privacy that, you know, the government isn't spying on me without just cause. And yet. (laughs) Well, but it's interesting because, like, if you look at violence (coughs) and harassment in the workplace policies, it's defined as being... Uh, vexatious behavior that you can reasonably expect to be vexatious or offensive. And it's like a lot of the time people that are doing harassment don't think it being yeah. they're harassing yeah. people. Yeah, in fact they think you're unreasonable for thinking it's harassment. Yeah. You know? So it's like, well, I don't think that that's the standard any like that's not that's not a good like yeah, in something it's not where, tangible enough. where it's like a judgment base, I don't think the word reasonable is useful. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the crux of the story, though. Um, (laughs) um, This is where economic... Okay, economic outcomes due to income Mm -hmm. become structurally discriminatory based on gender. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because women are more likely to work for nonprofits Mm -hmm. because um, we have... Because because of the work schedule and, and the flexibility, mm-hmm. um, one of the reasons, um, and they usually pay less, mm-hmm. right? You move into corporate, and you're stuck in this spiral, this never-ending spiral of, of, um, of what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, discriminatory, um, like, wages yeah based on gender and i this is how things get structural Mm -hmm. yeah this is how you know and when we say when we say things are structural we have structural inequities this is exactly what we're talking Mm -hmm. about because once you come out of 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 university or whatever and you don't get a fat paying job, mm-hmm. you're screwed for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I've done some of those US applications and it's true. They ask you your previous salary. Wow. Yep. Yeah. They do that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So they also ask you your GPA, which like Yeah, I'm like, are I'm we s- over that? Sorry, I graduated yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. not gonna be any indication of what type of employee I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think I think, you know, applying for a job is kinda anyway. Um yeah, I, I just, I'm not surprised. Let's put it that way. And I know some idiot is going to come on and be like, well, if women were better negotiators, then blah, oh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Well, good thing Ivanka's writing books. Ooh. Why doesn't Ivanka fix that? 
<laughs> Where's Cheryl Sandberg? She's going to rewrite the rules, you guys. Cheryl should Cheryl should <laughs> say something on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's because we didn't lean in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Any any other thoughts on that? No, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it just you're just gonna get the shit end of the stick when it comes to pay. If Regardless, you're a woman. yeah, <laughs> like, like there's just, no like, way out yeah. unless you like there's like actual laws that say you have to pay women and men the same. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. wow, I wonder what those look like <laughs> <laughs> in a reasonable occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you reasonably have to pay them the same <laughs> using your reasonable judgment. Oh my gosh. It, which uh, is which is actually funny because because we have this perception of women making so many, you know, strides and, and, and not to take anything away from those particular women who do. And mm-hmm. I would like to say that particular women yeah. have made strides and gained power and gained, you know, especially economic power. The Kardashians. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Yo, entrepreneurship. Right? Right? Okay. But it seems to me that the structure has left women behind still. Yeah. So for the majority of women, that is not the case. Even white women. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, Well, this seems like a good place to go to misogynist of the week then. Great. Uh, we're going to talk about stealthing. Yay. So this was a new thing I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of it Until either. this week. That was last, last week? Or the I week just, before? I just, I, I had this conversation with somebody actually. Like. <laughs> so let's be clear. Stealthing is? The removal of a condom without the knowledge or consent of your partner during sex. Um, and according to the Columbia Journal of Gender and Law, this is becoming increasingly common. My God. What was your conversation, Erica? Apparently, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you snippets. <laughs> yeah, we just want the Coles notes. <laughs> so apparently, um, da-da-da-da, um, so I was talking to this guy, and uh, I don't know how we got into this conversation most <laughs> But um, from what I understand, so I'm like, why? Why? And it's yeah, Why like, be a dick? Yeah. Like, like you're why? literally just being a dick. And like, why? And why? he's like, well, because they want to go bareback. And I'm like, like, as though I'm just supposed to understand this. Well, okay. Of course. <laughs> and I'm like, so? But it feels better, Erica. Oh, come on. Like, I'm so sick of hearing Tis be like, oh, condoms don't feel good. You know what? Fuck off. You know what doesn't feel good either? Having a baby or having an STD. You know what feels like shit? Chlamydia. Like, fuck off. (laughs) Wear a fucking condom. Yeah, so. (laughs) Apparently, doggy style especially. uh, Is when the removal happens. Oh. Yeah. I thought you meant for chlamydia, and I was like, (laughs) oh my God. That's I didn't. I've been having some high risk. <laughs> my mom started listening to this, so Sorry. I will like. Sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry, Eric's no, no, mom. No, 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 no. Do not hold back. Luckily, my father but has a black I can only... hair, so he will never hear this. <laughs> Does he have the internet? 
doesn't know how to use it. <laughs> um, but okay, so stealthing. So again, I mean, yeah. again with the dude. So they, 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 they are like, it feels better. But you know what I think it is? It's sexual assault, and like any kind of sexual assault, this is about power and control. Sure, it's male sexual supremacy. Yeah, exactly, and it's about secretly removing a condom and not telling your partner and just like just just totally wanting to be in control full control of the situation and not even just like checking in because you know what actually feels good when both people are on the same page about what kind of sex you're having oh whether it be bare black awesome (laughs) yep yeah right that is amazing that feels great that's great stuff so (laughs) this there's a buzzfeed story um sorry a buzzfeed news story of course there is Okay. Um, Shout out to BuzzFeed. (laughs) Um, So male sexual supremacy is gaining a loyal and broadening online fan base. Shocking, I know. I I believe that Roosh V or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, Roosh V? Roosh V, the pickup artist. Yeah. Oh. And these men defend the act as a male right to, quote, spread his seed. So is the end goal pregnancy? I don't... Are you so, kidding? Those fuck boys would run so fast. I can't even... <laughs> right? Okay. Like, are you kidding well, me? And so is, where are you going? Yeah. Where, what? Why? Anyways, don't you know where babies come from? But like, like, they what's also, your problem? Yeah. But they, they also share tips and success stories and praise each other's methods of how they take the condom off without the, their partner's oh knowledge. And I'm sorry. This is so fucking dumb. Like... First of all, this is dangerous, not just for the women, but also for the dudes that are stealthing. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Well, you don't know. You Yeah, so, like, the story starts off with this anecdote from this girl who says that she was seeing this guy casually and, like, after they had sex, realized that he had taken the condom off and called him on it. How did she know? I guess she realized that, like, <laughs> come over. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of ways I, I, to get I would to the be end like, goal. I, w- I would be like, okay, if you don't want somebody to know that you pulled out the condom, then don't, like, finish it. Maybe, you know, don't maybe, ejaculate in her. Well, like, maybe the big reveal is part of the fun. Oh. Some you, people deny, deny once they've been called out, too. But anyway, so, like, could you imagine seeing someone casually? You don't know where the hell they've been, how many no, people they're stealthing. No, exactly. And, like, he has no idea who she's sleeping with and whether or not that she's using protection with them. There's yeah. just so much danger. Exactly. There's a lot of danger. And, of course, it's also, like, I'm sure that there's all sorts of, like, purity measures where they're, like, how do you tell of a... Like, because, you know, like, you know, sex slut shaming stuff like I'm sure there's all sorts of shit about like you know don't do this with slutty girls or don't do this with hoe girls only do it with clean girls or whatever like I'm sure that there's all sorts of horrendous misogyny around that as so well. there's this entire thing is misogynist oh absolutely is... so there's a website called the experience project oh, um wait, which I feel like I've been on no, this website where one guy <laughs> wrote a comprehensive guide to stealth sex stealth sex where he has bragged that he's done it over and over and over with so many girls he can't even begin to count them. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. 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 And by the way, dude, you're a rapist. Just FYI. And then some of the comments that have he's received are things like, quote, Well said. It's a man's right to shoot his load in her pussy. There will be babies made during fucking. It's nothing unusual. Oh. Pardon? Babies got a capital in that tweet. 
it was just a comment. It wasn't a tweet. Oh, but sure. Sorry. But yeah. Yeah, why and are then, we capitalizing babies? There, he also spelled <laughs> fucking wrong. Um, and then there's another one. Quote, oh, I completely agree with this. To me, you can't have one and not the other. If she wants a guy's dick, then she also has to take the guy's load. Oh, my God. What? What? I really just, uh, back to the live stream, <laughs> I do wish we had a video of you reading those comments. Because so I was doing an arm you gesture. You were doing a great, like... Heidi ho Jester. Quite funny. Um, everything about this is... I had to lighten up the content. Disgusting. Like, I'm just disgusted. I'm, I'm fucking disgusted. Like, I, I don't even have any words for this. But uh, here's, a, here's a, a good quote. A grave violation of dignity and autonomy. That's exactly what it is. Like... Yeah. Like... <sighs> that's the thing about consent is that it can be removed at any point during yeah. sex and if you're like oh hey you know what would feel great if I went bareback in you and I was like oh no thanks I'd rather you wear a condom if you take off your condom consent is now null and void off the table off the table so anything from there on out is assault I already told you it wasn't gonna happen thank you thank you yeah. for just describing why it was assault yeah exactly because I think that there is this slippery slope of, of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. You know, where people are like, well, why is such a simple thing just such assault? Uh, and this is just another way of men feeling that they're um, entitled to women's bodies in yeah. any which way they, mm -hmm. they yeah. want. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you're right. Without consent, it is assault. Yeah. And if she does not consent to... Um, unprotected sex. Unprotected mm -hmm. sex, that's why it's assault. Yeah. Consent is what is necessary and sufficient. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so while stealthing is not legally defined as rape, um, there's a strong enough connection between the, pro the practice of sexual assault... Uh, sorry, between the practice of stealthing and sexual assault and victims that should be protected by the law. So earlier this year, a Swiss court actually convicted a man of rape for taking off his condom mid-sex. I'm not surprised the Swiss court did that. Well, and, and I mean, it does it does bring up an interesting conversation around the criminalization of HIV as well. Like, mm. th this is, like, if you have sex with someone and you have HIV and you know you have HIV... Mm. Ah, yeah. It's the same as with herpes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, then, then you're held accountable for that. And I have a, I have a lot of complicated feelings about just the way that that plays out but like um you know we, we you just I don't know I don't know where to go with that but th there isn't a link there and it's just like I don't know it's awful imagine a scenario in which a guy takes a condom off with this woman he's having sex with unknowingly she has herpes mm -hmm. and he contracts herpes yeah and is he gonna like sue her yeah when he's still when he's when he, it, it was him who put himself at risk. Right. Yep. 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 He created the environment yeah. in which he would be more likely to contract herpes. Yeah. 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 So at least that's the way I see it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, um, and as a side note, um, <coughs> power comes with responsibility. Okay, Spider-Man. I'm just saying. <laughs> How many times do I have to say I feel With like great power comes with, great responsibility. I, I oh, feel I'm like it's see, I loved <laughs> Spider Man as a kid. It's the worst superhero. I've never what are you talking seen about? That. Or Reddit. What? <laughs> I've never seen Superman. Or Reddit. 
or like whatever. Or Spider Man. Spider Man. I don't even see. I don't even know what we're talking. <laughs> okay, never mind. It's, let me. It's let a me comic move book, on. not a novel. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I guess. I guess what? Let me. Let me. Let me just say this: We have a whole bunch of of people, like a generation. Now it's now we're talking about dudes, so I'll I'll pick on dudes. Yeah. Who want to have the power and control of the relationship, but don't want to deal with the responsibility? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like you're a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Or like even like the it's adult bitch conversation. Like I think yeah, they're you know, not like have a conversation. Adults. No. Yeah. But they want power and control, but they don't want to adult into it. Yeah. It's like stop with the bitch assness. I can't. Yeah. I, I I I I swear I want to use that word all summer. Bitch assness. Bitch assness. Or you're a little bitch. Like <laughs> I've been watching too much Real Housewives. I love saying little bitch. Yeah, I know. You little bitch. I say it a lot during soccer. Guys, I thought you were going to say during sex. (laughs) No, soccer. Soccer. When I play soccer. Yes. I say it to guys. They do not like it. No, because but they are little whiny bitches. I play co-ed soccer, and they are. They're like, ooh, my, my... I don't know. Like my, my shin. My I feel shin. like people are always complaining about their shins and talking. Shin. It's like it's not my fault that you can't run your 5k. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um okay, well, so stealthing. That's gross. Fuck fuck these guys. Fuck them. But and not like, literally. Yeah, ew, no. yeah, definitely don't. Don't fuck them. Don't fuck them. <laughs> Be careful, ladies. So what what advice would we give? Young women. I'm not giving advice to young women. I'm going to give advice to young men. Oh, okay. Don't do this, you fucking assholes. Don't. (laughs) And I will give advice to young women. If you find out that they have taken their condom off in sex, fucking call them out. Yeah. Put them on blast. Put them on fucking Facebook. Yeah, receipt that shit. Yeah. Shame. Public shame. I like this public shaming thing Mm -hmm. for that. I really do. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you find out and you're scared, uh, you can go to a sexual health clinic near you the next day and uh, get a full gamut of tests. And a nurse there will give you, if you feel like you're at risk for HIV, you can get PrEP, immediate drugs uh, that can help with all of that. And don't be afraid to maybe even pursue action, depending on the situation. Totes. And if it's even if it's your boyfriend, it's not acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my like piece of advice. Even if you've had bareback sex before, yeah, still not acceptable because you're wearing because he's put it on in the first place for a reason. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Wow. So on this depressing note, (laughs) (laughs) I think that does it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. And you can find us on social media on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. And as always, you can send us love notes at badandbpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bad and Bitchy. Bad and Bitchy.